You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the O2 Podcast, the Ohio Outdoors Podcast. Paul. Andrew, what's up, dude? Well, better than you are, I think. Oh, man. Getting old, man. Yeah, so I, I'm a, at this point. I, I assume that the people that are listening to the show, they've been around for a while, right? We're at this is what episode ninety seven or ninety eight, Andrew. Ninety mm. seven, something like that, maybe ninety eight. Yeah, something like that. So you guys know, I turned forty last October, um, and if you also know, I've I've worked really hard to lose weight, get stronger, and things were things were were coming together, and uh, I, I joined my wife and I joined a an adult co-ed softball league and Johnstown was with, uh, with some friends of ours and I tore my calf muscle and ruptured a tendon in my leg, my right leg, Andrew. The best part was on like on we, August 20th. <laughs> no, that's not the best part. The, we were having this like fun conversation of like what you were going to wear. Like, were you going to wear a crop top or yeah. a tank top? Just having just joking with the, yeah, you and the go wild guys. And then Brad from go wild comes up with like the beautiful idea, just cut nipple holes out and you know, it'd just be hilarious. So it was this like great fun event. And the next thing you know, you're sending me a picture of you had crutches and your legs all wrapped up. I'm like what oh in the God. hell? Yeah. I got this gonna, freaking giant walking boot and how are you going to climb know, a tree like that. I'm not. That's the thing. I mean, it, it's luckily no surgery, um, which which is which is good. I you know I'll, I'll save that. But it's gonna be it's you know I, I've I've aggravated this injury earlier in the year. Trail running, man, just trying to get in shape and get ready for turkey season 2024. And um, man, it dude, crazy pop like an audible pop. It was it was it was it was a very weird sensation. What was what like the the stupidest part about all of this? Um, was it happened on a home run? Like I hit a home run and, and so to save time, they allow you to go to first and then back to home. Right. So you don't have to do all three bases because the, the games are an hour. Like that's it. Hour it's done. Um, and so I hit and then all my teammates were like, oh, run it out, run it out. So like I had already started my turn back towards home and I just like kind of jumped and pivoted and planted my right foot and like exploded towards second. And it was just like, boom, uh, I'm like, Oh, 
well, that was weird. But I was still running, and I kind of like stumbled, and like, I'm like, that really hurts. And I kept running. I'm like, what's going on with my leg? Oh my god! And I started panicking. And I just like, I like went from second to like behind the dugout. <laughs> it was just like I just laid down. I'm like, something terrible has happened to to my leg. But I, all that like adrenaline, I just hit a home run. I was running and and you know, I, I ended up. I had two more hits that game and I played first base the rest of the game. Cause we, <laughs> we didn't have enough people to not play. So I like, I, I stretched it out. Um, it was dumb, 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 too old for that nonsense. I'm going to be honest with you, dude. If this was like, if this was like right before Turkey season, I'd be having a meltdown. Yeah. I kind of meltdown. That'd be bad. Yeah. Terrible. So there we go. How That's long the, is the uh, recovery? Um, I, so I, I, I've got another consultation. It, it could be up to 12 weeks seems to be like the absolute worst. Um, it, it, I'm dealing with a lot of swelling right now in my foot, uh, in my ankle and my calf, uh, you know, where, where the, most of the trauma was, but, um, yeah, I'm hoping that it's just like, you know, just a month, man, just to take it easy for a month, ice, the heat, physical therapy, exercise. I took your advice. I've been moving it constantly. Like last night, I was I, I I couldn't I couldn't move my ankle. That's how swollen and tight. I mean, it was it was miserable. Um, but today, I've just been moving it, trying to keep it keep it moving, keep it limber. Nothing crazy, just a little, little movement here and there. Talk to your wife, tell her if I'm doing the right thing. But um, it's just miserable, dude. Like it's one of those pains that like if you move wrong. It just like explodes in my leg. And I'm just like, and I, I like yeah. fall over and I have to catch something. And the boot is helping because it kind of minimizes that. But well, before you uh, went out and destroyed your uh, calf, we did have a nice uh, night the other night came over and did yeah, some fish fry. Today. And then we did a little shooting from the platform and uh, getting the bows up and, and running. Yeah, so the platform, the platform that you came up with, uh, that was neat, man. I, I had a lot of fun doing that. Able to hang out of the saddle, wool tree stand. It was, it was cool. Yeah, it was cool. You know, it, it's we we're talking like our our guy that we're talking with today on today's episode, Chris J. Wonderful, wonderful individual, great hunter. Does a lot with a working class bow hunter, just an elite hunter, um, archer, elite yeah. archer. Talked about how you know, like. We don't practice with our hunting clothes on. You know, we shoot outside all year, flat-footed on the ground at a at a stationary target. You know, in shorts and a t-shirt. And I will, I will, I am absolutely guilty of that. So, yeah, there's a lot, and Chris brings it up. We'll talk, you know, in the episode more. Yeah. But <clears throat> there's a lot of little things, you know, that you don't think about. Yeah, and I've heard that clothes one before. It's hard though because. It's 9,000 degrees out this week, and I'm not putting so, on my base layers and all my different stuff. And I mean, because it is a totally different feel, even like getting in the saddle. I think I was listening to Dan Johnson talk about the other day. But like to get your clothes on and what it feels like to get up in the saddle with that. Well, I mean, dude, that's hard when it is freaking the surface of the sun out there, you know? Yeah. And uh, oh, man, I, I will say like the first time that I hunted in the like the bitter cold out of the saddle last year i had all that i had that first light solitude jacket on and the and the catalyst bibs and i was all layered up and i'm trying to like climb and it totally changes the way that like your your legs move and, and you move going up the tree it's a big deal but you're right i'm not wearing that stuff right now they're in the way Maybe. it was funny my 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 wife was gone uh today for for work or something i don't remember what it was but so i'm like i could shoot my bow in this in this walking cast 
So I like hobble down. I like claw downstairs backwards, like on my hands and knees. I go down backwards and she busted me, dude. I was like getting ready to walk up. I'm like, ah, crap. Like she's, she was all over me about trying to go shoot my bow. Funny, funny, <laughs> the, funny. Or up shredded legs. So, yeah. That's what you oh man. Doing. So Andrew, thanks to our uh, our friends at Go Wild. I got their shirt on tonight. Time to go wild.com. Um I can't I I can't say enough about the community. And I like I I, I want to have I want to tell you like the value that they have and is is just tremendous when I talk about the the community, the people that are on there, the the vibe, the mentality that that, that people have. It is a, it's a wonderful community. It's a great place to share your hunting experiences, your hunting heritage with yourself, with your family, with your friends. Uh, it's a really neat place. It's a great place to ask questions. If you're getting dialed in on your rifle or your bow, arrow setups, there's a ton of great people answering questions. I try to get on there and answer as many uh, questions as I uh, you know feel confident answering. And every piece of gear, Andrew, that the, the – I almost said turkey hunter – that the deer hunter uh, in this country needs is on, on Go Wild. So check them out. Free $10.00. Excuse me, good lord! Free ten dollars uh, if you if you sign up for an account on Android, Apple, or visit them on the web. Time to go wild dot com. Just uh, you're talking about the community and stuff on there. So to our other partners, Blackgate uh, Hunting and Blackgate Cameras. I had one of my pictures from there the other day, and I posted on Go Wild. And part of the, the beauty of the community is I I and I sent it to you. This one deer, this one buck had a, an antler that was just like i don't know i've never seen it before i think i mean i really quote give a lot of credit there to the the blackgate camera because it was so clear that it, maybe i've seen this before i just could never make it out um but what it was after i put the picture up and i asked if it was a drop tine that was maybe forming but it sounds like everybody and i'm i'm assuming they're right right at this point because there was quite a consensus on it but it was a broken time and I don't know how that works in the biology of the deer. Like if it's broken as in it should fall off any moment or will it heal in some kind of weird, funky looking, you know, unique rack. It was just really cool to put that up there and get different personality or people's opinions on it. I uh, want what they thought. And I really, really appreciate that. So do you yes. want to, do you want to say what I called it? Well, we had a couple names going. Go ahead. What was yours? The the flaccid time. Oh yes, the flaccid time. The, the flaccid time. <laughs> but I will say, man, those cameras are uh, they are exceptional. There, there's the the app is super functional too, which is which is one thing that that I like. It's easy, uh, it's easy to use, easy to get set up. It's intuitive. They've got a lot of stuff coming down the pipeline, you know, um, with just innovation. So so keep an eye out on those guys. Blackgate Hunting dot com find them on find them on instagram find them on they've got a really strong facebook community um customer service is exceptional so you guys are really going to like those products that r4g is legit you guys are going to love it so and check them out code we have a code o2 ohio po- outdoors no 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 no, no, no. o2 podcast 10 percent oh, off o2 podcast 10 percent off god there we go o2 podcast 10 percent off so thanks for those guys you know uh our our uh our Timber Ninja saddles are in the mail, hopefully. They Jason are. Red, I can't wait, man. I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I'm just going to I'm going to walk around the house with my boot and that damn Timber Ninja. That's it. Ultimate black belt. Talk about hunting saddles, in your, in your so. hunting clothes. Just yeah. So, Jason, innovate something for me that I can get up into a tree with uh, with a giant boot. 
on my on my foot. So no, man, I I, I couldn't be happier to be a part of that family. You know, I every time I call Jason, I'll call him with like a quick question, right? And we'll talk for 25, 30, 40 minutes sometimes. And he's just a just a great guy. And in the passion that him and Jason and 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 um Hotch and, and Bo Martonic have for for what they do in the saddle hunting community and the hunting community and conservation and innovation, making stuff in America. That's important. That's really neat. So I'm proud to be a part of that company. Uh we know you guys are using the code. Thanks, man. We see it. We see it. Thank you for doing that. So our codes, you get free shipping on your order is Ohio. O H I O, baby. There you go, man. No, not baby. You, you don't put baby at the end. O-H-I-O. I was half I'm sorry. But I get you free shipping if you said that. Yeah, that, that's man. That that'll add up. You order a big set, man. That'll for sure add up. So TimberNinjaOutdoors.com. Find them on find them online as well on uh, on the on the gram and on GoWide. You can also buy their products and find uh, find their social media presence on GoWide. Yep. And thanks to the guys at Half Rack Half Rack dot com. They got the meat lugs out, Paul. We got to get our hands on one of those, especially before we go to drumming. But that's Man, their soft-sided cool. cooler. You can fit up the, what is it, a fully deboned deer. Uh, we saw these Old at ATA deer. last year, and it was amazing. I mean, it's super legit. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, good guys. Ohio out. Outdoors 15. Save yourself 15%. Andrew, I need to get on their website. I need to buy a new, what I need to buy a new, a new Boone Gunsling. You... What else did I, what, what else did I, what am I holding up here? I'm oh, going to put buddy. this online. You, you haven't you let that thing out of your, out of, you haven't let that thing out of your, uh, site have you i just got it i well i i missed it i wasn't able to walk downstairs in my office all day to look at this brand new weatherby vanguard six five creedmoor uh that i got from midwestgunworks.com dude what what a selection of uh of firearms that they had it was really it was really cool man getting on there and, and like with the mission of buying a firearm like i was I was ready, man. I was absolutely ready for that. That's so. a beautiful gun. And I had total rifle envy when you brought it over. And I was like, oh, my God, I think I need that. <laughs> I don't know why. Oh, dude, it's, I need it's so those. cool. It's beautiful. Look at that. And, and it's in the multi-cam, 6.5 Creedmoor. I mean, I, I just, I'm excited. I'm excited to shoot this thing. Our our friends at uh, Friends Go Out, I've got, I got a scope from them coming. Uh, that should be here in the next day or so. So, Sunday. Uh, Athlon Optics. And then looking once, forward to that. So yeah, man. Once we get I'm, all I'm excited, up, dude. We're gonna get thermal on there from X Vision, dude. That I can't wait for. So we can go get. I really can't wait for that. That's gonna be a ton of fun. So, man, I you you've got me in the mood to to slap those X Vision scopes on. I keep seeing the videos that you and and Tyler are sending. I'm like dude, shooting coyotes. I'm like, come on, man. But what a dumbass. The other night when you're over and all of a sudden we can hear the coyotes howling off in the distance. And it's like, oh, oh it was like on cue. Let's... Allie was like, I wonder if there's coyote. And it was like two seconds later. Like, Arr! like, yeah. And then it's like, all right, let's let's get set up and see if we can't bring them in. And then I go and I didn't have my damn batteries charged for the thermal. <laughs> I was so mad at myself. Usually <laughs> I, I try to have them charged like. But I'm out there with the monocular, the thermal ready. monocular, like over there. I'm, I got like the perfect setup. I'm in this bush. Like I sprayed down with bug spray. I'm like, all right, game on. I had the call, great and, call out. And and I hear you like yelling at the kids in the house. I'm like, really? <laughs> Something's going wrong here. Yes. So, yeah, uh, there's that. Good stuff. So X, XVisionOptics.com. You can find their products uh, on time to go on.com as well. Um, so, what else we got? Yeah. I don't have a ton of news, Paul. There was one on here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's one I did want to mention that's pretty cool. Um, 
Yeah, I don't, I don't, I didn't, uh, we're, we're going to just fill, fill some dead air here, uh, while you're looking for news. But man, I, um, I was on this website, gearjunkie.com. So if you, if you're like into the outdoors or you're into like gear, uh, this is a pretty, pretty neat website. But so I, I log on today and what's the first thing I see? How this 52 year old man crushed his first ultra, one of the hardest races in the world. And I'm like, dude, I can't even make it through a freaking beer league softball game without tearing something. And this dude's running an ultra at, at, at 52 years old. I watched some 90 year old dude deadlift 405 three times in a row today. I don't know. That's that amazing. I, I don't think I can do that uh, at 37. And I'm almost 100% unbelievable. I can't do that. Um, human, humans are exceptional. Yes. So a lot of us. All right. Wild Ohio article wins national award. So an article from the Ohio Department of Natural Resources Division of Wildlife's Wild Ohio magazine won a national communications award from the Association for Conservation Information. A year in the life of a wetland was awarded first place in the category for general interest magazine article written by wildlife communications specialist Kelly Schott. The winning article appeared in the 2022 issue number four edition of wild ohio magazine and it highlighted the h2 ohio program and the importance of wetlands and conservation so there's more information about that at uh, ohiodnr.gov but congratulations kelly and for representing ohio and the national yeah, definitely um definitely side of things there so well my friend i think we've got we've got a pretty good show for you guys tonight you have any more news i think it was it yeah i think that's it that's good i don't yeah. know what else what else is going on paul man i i hunting season we're is close. just i mean i got the book dude, here. we're we're nine days away right nine days away from being able to hunt no 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 10 days hold on Sep- from from small game from dove oh, okay. dove and squirrel yep sorry you're right september 1st september so, 1st for that yeah te- teal uh and, and early goose open up check your regulations sorry you, uh you book for mind. that but man what uh my mind what a year man it went quick tails. summer went fast it's 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 going to be Christmas before you know it. And then, and then what's after Christmas, Andrew? Turkey season? Hunting. Turkey season. You're damn right. One day closer to turkey season, gents. Oh, love uh, it. Let's see, though. Let's talk about deer. So the DSA, you can start hunting up there on September 9th. Okay. So that's going to be your Hardin, Wyandotte, Marion counties. And okay. Remember, they have their early gun season. That's October 7th. And that's wild. The ninth. So there's a, another opportunity there. But for the statewide archery, we are looking at September 30th. So that is closing in. Get your gear out. Make sure everything's ready to go. If you don't have what you need, get on Go Wild. Get on Half Rack. Yeah. Get on I, Simmer Ninja. If anyone, li- if anyone listened participated in the early gun season in the DSA last year, let let us know how that was. I'd be I'd be interested to see what the turnout was, what the what the harvest was like. Is that is that just public or is that just in those counties? Does it say? I think it's just the entire county, right? Not just public property. Just says DSA. Not I'm not reading them in the fine details, so please refer to the manual. Call one eight hundred wildlife. Yep, call They're great. somebody, ask questions. Yeah. Um but yeah. And and also let us know. We've got I think this is episode ninety seven for us. Let us know what your one hundredth episode guest wants to be. We've got we've been kicking around some really some some ideas of some folks that uh, you know that are way more entertaining than us um, you know for for a hundred and yeah you know, a little giveaway something we got something planned Andrew so if you want to hear someone fun shoot for the moon man absolutely it out. and 
let us know on go wild it's o2 podcast instagram d.o2.podcast uh what else we got website we got our website um yo2podcast.com yo2podcast.com yeah and leave us a review if you're interested um we are always looking for good reviews so what else thanks for listening guys no that's it man safe travels to florida tomorrow and i'll be sitting here with a bum leg and a rifle without a scope on it (laughs) i think i'm gonna travel like whatever 1500 miles south and it's gonna be a total of two degrees warmer down there than it is here that wild dude it is like it is just roasting hot roasting that's all right. Fall will be here before you know it. So, That's right. All right, That's everybody. Right. Have a great guys, week. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you guys. See ya. Now, you you had your two biggest deer ever you shot this year. So you shot like your, your, your biggest. With my bow. Yeah. Your bow. Okay. Yeah. So you shot your biggest personal record. Yeah. And then you broke it again just yeah. shortly after that, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, it was a. That's uh, wild. It's gonna be a tough year to beat. I don't know that that'll happen again, but I'm shooting for it. So we'll gotta, see what happens. Got to yeah. try, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. No, that's that's uh, that's pretty cool. Months he remembered my awesome shot from Go Wild. Oh it's yeah, or send it slam. Yeah, 134 yeah. yards at the bedded elk across the pond where you were shooting at the moon. That's what oh. I got. This sucker right there behind Luckiest me. Luckiest bear, refine. Honestly, I, I remember I remember that because I remember you walked out there like he's like, "There's no way I'm going to be anywhere close," and then you just smoked it, and I was like, "What the hell?" Wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. So everyone's like, "Where'd you aim? Where'd you aim?" I'm like, "I have no idea." Above those trees, <laughs> man. That's all I. That's all I know. Picked so, a spot and let her rip. Tells me he's the yeah. world's worst bow hunter, and then goes out and pulls that, and I'm like, "Oh, thanks, Paul." <laughs> so, yeah, uh, you got to keep him guessing. Yeah, keep him guessing. The ringer. Yeah, that's that's it. Oh man! So what a so that um that property that I sent you earlier that Onyx pen. Mm-hmm. So I have that's a controlled hunt, and so the the DNR here in Ohio just just got that property. They just bought it 2019. They opened it up to um permit only hunting, mm-hmm. and so that permit it's it's uh it's the first two weeks of the season and it's any legal game. But I'm not going to be squirrel hunting out there. I'll tell you that. Um, but there man, there's some big deer in that area yeah so, yeah and i mean spot for sure yeah a lot of a lot of terrain you got a lot of a lot of transition um i think it's either onyx or google one of them has uh you could see all the you know there's more recent like some clear i think it was google maps or google earth you could see you know there's some clear cut some timber work done yeah look like a lot of transitions like a, yeah like a big power line that comes like crisscross through it or something or it goes across right yeah yeah, right yeah yeah, right through it so i know uh i mean that looks similar to some properties i mean that we have somewhat some to the north of us and then back whenever i was in college we hunted i hunted a property that was pretty similar to that a lot of elevation change and everything had a river bottom that run through it and uh yeah there was some giants giants out there every year yeah and it's with the um with it only being two weeks, man, like I'm like the pressure's already on. I'm already because okay. yeah, because you know, it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be super low pressure hunting pressure because it's it's limited access, and I get the first crack. Those deer are gonna be as calm as they've been all year, you know. Right, and right. So, yeah, we've I mean, got, is, we've got, it, go ahead. I say it is open to hiking and stuff like that, so you know, 
but as far as hunting pressure, they haven't seen a single person since last year, which is right. great. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we Illinois has got a few um, few places around here like that that we can draw. It's kind of similar. They'll have some private properties, nothing that looks as big as that one probably, but there used to be some um, some public pieces around there that were like really similar. They draw, and you you and like three other guys would have a run of the property for usually it's only a week at a time though, and and the one property that I drew a couple of years ago, you had to earn a buck on top of it. So you had to go out there, shoot a doe, and then you got a crack at a buck. And wouldn't you know it, the very first set that I had out there, I had two really nice bucks come flying by me and stop. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, <laughs> that just, you know, is what it is. And I ended up a couple of days later, I shot a doe. Um, and then actually my very next set, I shot a Real, what was probably what was my biggest archery buck um, up until this year? Um, shot him the very next set. Uh, just one of those spots that it was right in the right in the middle of the rut and caught him coming across. And I was like, it was you know stars aligned kind of a thing. Yeah, that's what I guess we're all looking for, right, Andrew? Yep, hundred <laughs> percent. Just the like the 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 layups, you know, twenty twenty yards, and you're just like, okay. I had I I missed I I with my bow I killed I killed a buck during gun season um but my during the archery season I had a a, a pretty nice deer and man I it's funny like we we've gone I I went to one of these uh like trade shows had all the deer lined up you know and yeah. it was like it had all the scores cuz the the buck I big club or you know Boone and Crockett they were there and they were sc- scoring the deer and and looking at the the you know, the scores i realized that i don't know how to score a deer on the hoof and i'm just like that's just something that i'm they're all probably, 180 Paul. they're all 180 right yeah yeah that's what one of that's what our biologist says yeah so i'm like like good deer okay deer not a good deer like that's my that's so this the you know the the one buck that i shot at with my bow was 40 yards um and he was a he was a, a really good deer yeah and dude he was like it was one of those moments like i'm in the saddle and i'm like Oh shit! There's deer. Like I was just, it was just there, like right in front of me. Like, oh my god! And so you know, like, listen, I've I've heard you talk and Clint talk in that you know, the WCB podcast. Like, you don't have to rush it. So I was just like, okay, I'm gonna be all right, man. Like he's like he has no idea that I'm there, and I'm like, okay, deep breath. And I watch him. I have my bow out. I'm just like, I'm I'm watching. Like I can see him. Like like just by the terrain. And I'm like, he's just gonna go like right to my left. And I'm just gonna wait till he gets here. And then I'm gonna shoot him. So he starts, gets behind a tree. I go to a full draw, and I'm super calm. And I follow him through. And I'm waiting for like, you know, I, there's just like this little area. I'm like, I'm gonna shoot him right here. And like I was watching him outside of my peep site. And I go in and, and like I don't I don't know if I, I I hit something. I hit like a tree branch or something like that. And that sucker went doop and just smacked a tree and i was just like, like I, I was so upset man it's just one of those like i just sat there and he and he trotted like probably 40 yards and just stopped and turned around and just looked and was just and i bet he was there for five minutes just it didn't move and just stood there to the point like i pulled out my binocular i'm like there's no way he's still there oh he was still there he was just staring at me oh yeah and i was like I, i'm looking i'm like i'm texting andrew i'm like dude i, I have no idea what happened like I, I, I want to say, you know, I want to blame that there was like a stick or something, you know, branch and there probably was because I hadn't, you know, paid much attention to, you know, what was between me and the deer, I guess. I just, I knew where like, I wanted him to be, 
And when he got there, like in my mind, like that was because I wasn't looking, you know. Right. Um, it's easy yeah. to overlook things in the moment. Like you said, I'm, it just takes it takes one. It takes the slightest thing to just ruin your opportunity. And I mean, I've I've been there. I've I've hit tree limbs. I've shot over the top of deer. I've shot under deer. I've done the same thing. I've gotten out of the tree stand at dark after shooting and missing a deer and just absolutely sick getting down and getting to my arrow and then looking up and in the darkness, you could still see a body and pull up my binoculars and that buck standing there looking at me at like a hundred yards. That's amazing. And just, I mean, because a lot of them, especially like, you know, gray light, that very last light and everything, they have no idea what happened. They just heard a noise and they'll just sit there and they may ease off or something. Or I've had them, I've had them come back around back whenever I was a absolute mess trying to shoot my bow. I shot at this six pointer, I remember it was the first like rack buck that I'd ever shot with my bow. And I shot at this six pointer at 18 yards and shot right over his back. Mm-hmm. And that he jumped and took about 15 steps and turned around and came right back to the exact same spot and was sniffing the arrow. And I shot him. I shot him and drilled him the second time and he ran and fell off, fell down. But I was like, it was just, just one of those things. I mean, some of those, some of those opportunities you get, you got to hopefully capitalize them when you get them because. There's a lot of the a lot of the times where it's just an absolute struggle, absolute struggle. Yeah. Yeah, Chris, I had one last year where I shot a, a doe. I think I did hit a tree branch, and I smacked a, tr- a big solid tree. I mean, that thing was deep in that tree when I eventually got down to get it out. She jumped around just barely, and I think I had five or six other deer right there. She jumped a little bit. The other ones didn't move at all. Like, and I was mm-hmm. I was on an earn a buck property, so I had all these bucks in there. They weren't great bucks by any means. But at the same time, I'm like, I, I have to get this dough. I put another arrow in and I got her. But man, it is, yeah. it's, uh, it is funny how that works where sometimes they, you know, they're gone forever and then other times they just kind of hang out. But oh, yeah. Even after I put that yeah, second I, arrow in, in her, the other deer just stood there. She did take off after that, obviously, but like yeah. the other deer just hung out, like kept eating, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing their temperament. I mean, and, I mean, some, I, I don't, I can't correlate it to, you know, time of the year or, I mean, anything else or rut. I mean, rut, obviously, I mean, I've shot, I've shot does in the rut and then the bucks come flying in there and I've shot bucks in the rut and they'll run off and, and crash. And then here comes another buck or something, or, or I've, I've shot bucks where they didn't even know they were shot. And I thought, I, I thought I completely whiffed on them. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden they get the wobbles and fall down. And it's like, they ran 40 yards chasing another buck off and then turn around. I'm like, he's bleeding. Like, what is going on? And then he just topples over. And it's like, Crazy. It's, just, it's just amazing. It is. So, yeah, Chris, you are a pretty good shot from what I understand. I was listening to the one podcast you did with Clint here recently and um, some of the different techniques and different things that you were talking about. A minute ago, you mentioned back in the day when you were a mess as a bow hunter. Can you describe what that is, what that was like, what what that part part of your career was? So I so growing up, I grew up in an archery range with my dad. Like that was our thing. My dad, my dad was a really really good shot um, for years, especially as a kid. Um, we could go just about anywhere, and my dad could compete with just about anybody. Um. So growing up, I was in an archery range and I don't know that I really learned the correct fundamentals of shooting a bow. Like I was, I took to it really, really well. 
and had some success early as a kid. Um, there was uh, probably not a lot, as many opportunities back then. My dad and I, we traveled all around the country just going to different shoots and things because it was something I was passionate about because he was. And uh, got to the point where I was pretty good. And uh, as I got older, sports became more of a thing for me, basketball especially. And so I'm more focused on that and kind of got out of shooting for quite a few years. And then when I started getting back into it, when I was late into high school and everything, I just I found out really quickly that I wasn't as good as I once was. And it bothered me to no end. And I got to the point where I would, I had target panic is what I had. I couldn't hold on the target. I would have, I had so much anxiety trying to draw down on the target. I would come to full draw and I still remember it vividly. I would shoot a index finger release. I could draw back, come to full draw and anchor. And as long as I didn't put my finger on the release, I could hold dead steady on the center of that target or, or whatever I was aiming at. Like it was nothing. As soon as mentally I knew that my finger was on that trigger, I was a foot high. Could not bring my bow down. And mm. I could do like oh, it was what they call like a drive-by shoot. Like I could drop my arm and and try to flinch and, and squeeze a shot off and everything. And I got kind of to the point where I could shoot three or four shots before it would really take hold of me. Um and I could go out and deer hunt. I deer hunted for a few years and I found that whenever I was deer hunting, it really wasn't as much of an issue until it became a real big issue. And I got to the point where I couldn't even, I couldn't even hold on a deer. And so I finally said, and my dad, you know, my dad knew I was as frustrated as I was with, you know, with shooting and everything. And he's like, you have to get rid of that index release. You have to go to, Try a thumb, a thumb release. Just try something different. Change, change up your mind. Change up, you know, your mind knows when your index finger's on that release. Try your thumb. So switch to a thumb release and I shot it really well. And it was like night and day for about six months. And then I figured that out and I figured out that I had, that I could punch it at a certain time. And then I would start to get that anxiety started to come back in again. And the final straw, I was prepping, I think it was a month and a half or so before deer season. And I was shooting out of my garage to the back fence of, of our old house that we used to live in. And I drew back and I couldn't come down on the target. And I was like, ah, you can do it. You can do it. And I come down, come down. And I jerked. And when I jerked, the bow went off and I sent an arrow through the fence. That was it. And I was like, okay, I'm done. So my dad, um, my dad was really lucky. The area that we grew up in or that I grew up here in central Illinois, um, like PSC archery was founded here. So my dad grew up, grew up, grew up shooting like right in this, what used to be like the Mecca of archery. Everybody came here to shoot the 3D nationals. Everybody came to shoot the indoor nationals in this, this area here. Some of the best shooters in the United States and in the world were from our area. And the Wonderleys lived just north of here of, of where we grew up at. And so his son won an archery gold medal. His whole family was amazing archers. And my dad, whenever he was shooting, he told him, he's like, you're a great shot, but he's like, eventually you're not going to be. He's like, when you're not, come to me, I'll help you out. And he did. 
And he got him shooting a back tension, got him shooting, got him out of his mind, basically. Because you get to a point where mentally you have to get past the mental float of a pin. You have to get past the control of making a shot go off, things like that. And he's got a, he has a book out there um, that I bought and I just dove into the book. And one of the things that he talks about is blank bail archery is blank bailing and, and things like that to try to teach your mind again, what a good shot feels like. So I, I told Clint and Clint's a big, big, uh, big guy on this as well as for the blank bailing. I mean, you'll stand five, 10 feet in front of the target here. No, no slide on it. No anything. Draw back and execute a shot. What you think is your perfect shot. Just start to squeeze that release, whatever it is. I shoot a back tension. Now I start to activate the muscles in my back to try to pull my bow apart. Shot goes off and it should be, I was always told as a kid. And even, even now, like, when I make a great shot, it's a surprise. I don't know when that bow's going off. But I'll tell you, when I make a great shot, I, I may be floating around four or five inches around my target or whatever. But when that shot breaks and I know it was a good shot, it's dead money exactly where I wanted it to go. And it's it's mentally getting to that point where you're okay with that floating and you're okay with things that, you know, you can't control. It's just, okay, hey, just burn a hole in whatever you're aiming at. And just concentrating on executing a shot and mentally in your mind, it's magic, but your bow goes off when it needs to go off and it hits right where you're aiming at. You know, I, I haven't, I don't even want to say this out loud. I haven't <laughs> dealt with, I, don't, I haven't dealt with target panic yet. I mean, I, I know it's just like, there's a lot of guys that's have- coming. Oh, it's going to happen. That's without a doubt. Like it's going to happen. I, I, I mean, Dude, I, I've I've dealt with some target panic with turkeys the last couple of years, and I I you know I got that under control, um, but I I don't know, man. What like what what do you think the like the root is for a lot? Is it different for everyone? I mean, obviously it's it's like a mental thing. I mean, it's, it's, a it's mental, nothing else. It's just it's a mental thing. It's trying to be perfect. I guess that that's what it was to me. I was I watch my dad and I watch a lot of the guys. One of the guys that I grew up with in our area is Danny Evans. So he shoots, he's still one of the top archers in the world. I mean, he shoots ASAs, IBOs, things like that. And he was just one of those guys whenever I was growing up that if he showed up to an archery tournament and luckily he moved, he was a year older than me and he moved up really fast into like shooting against adults when we were like 14, 13. So I didn't have to shoot against him. But it was one of those things you see these guys that are just so perfect. And I shot it. I shot with a ton of different people that are some of the best. I mean, literally some of the best shots in the world. You see them just, I mean, they'll put an arrow on top of somebody, somebody else's arrow just effortlessly. You think, man, I got to get to that spot. How do I get, how do I do that? And you just, I don't know. I put too much mental pressure on myself, I guess, to get to that point instead of just, you know, those guys, a lot of those guys went through the same struggles that I went through and then a lot of people went through. And then there's other guys, I've got friends that shoot all the time that are great shots and they've never had to go through it. And that's great. You know, I, 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 I golf some, I used to golf a ton Yeah, and it was always frustrating just being an amateur hack, you know, like a 12 handicap and I would be on the range and I'm like, damn, I'm really good. Like I feel, I feel really good. And then, you know, you, you get in the car or you start walking, you get on the golf course and you, you're on the tee box and you put a bunch of trees and you put the, 
you know, that tight window, the landing area, and all these things start adding up. Like, okay, there's a bunker over there, stay out of the road. You know, and, and then it's just like you just dribble one off the front of the tee box. You know, yeah. and then and you're like, are are you serious? Like you, that, that's what you're gonna do? You said the, a great practice session for two hours, and then you do that, and it's like you put a golf course in front of you and you just fall apart. I feel like that's the same thing for a lot of people. Like you're in your backyard at the range, boom, 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 boom. Then you get a deer in front of you, and I, I like I'll admit, like the one thing that that I've done a lot, and it's with anything, right? You like you think that you think that that animal is like gonna be out of your life in like three seconds. You know, you're just like, oh god, I gotta go now. But yeah, yeah, you know. And sometimes that is the case. I guess. I guess that's that's where that 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 discipline and and like experience comes in. But like when when you're when you're in the stand and you've got you've mentally where you're like, it's gonna be okay. We're gonna work through this. What's the what's the mental process? I just gotta tell myself to slow down. Really. I mean, it's so you you go out and you hunt or you practice all year long for and just hope for that one moment every year. And when that moment gets there, you have I mean, I've, I have to tell myself, OK, hey, yeah, here he is. This is what you've been waiting for. Slow yourself down. This is what you got to do. Just try to step through each thing that you need to get done. And sometimes it, sometimes it happens fast. Sometimes it's happened slow. It's funny. A couple of years ago when I was struggling with things and um, had a hard time making shots and thing and stuff like that, I would want it to happen so fast. And I would want that deer to just all of a sudden be right there in front of me. And I just got to draw my bow back and shoot as fast as I can. Now, God, I, I, I mean, I want, I want to see him come in and be able to have everything ready and just, you know, have, just be able to slow myself down and then get to that moment. Cause, and be able to have that little bit longer memory of what actually happened in, in that moment as well. Um, but yeah, when that last, those last seconds, like I said, focus in on, on everything you need to do in order to make it, make that, that moment count, because it doesn't matter what you did up to that point. Once you get to full draw, once you release that arrow, I mean, that's the moment that counts the most is whenever, as soon as you touch that trigger off, that's what you've been waiting for. And and you're, you know, you're hoping for that perfect shot that you're practiced all year for. Yeah. So when you're practicing leading up to the season, I mean, are you going through drills to prepare yourself for that moment of, you know, truth or whatever? But and what are what are some ideas that you can you can do to help you? I mean, visualize that or, or work through that. Well, I shoot. I mean, I shoot daily down down here in my basement. Um, I've got I can shoot. 12, 13 yards here in my basement. So whenever it's nasty out, I, I, I try to come down here and just shoot like a dozen arrows a day. And that's enough to just kind of keep me. And, and a dozen, when I say a dozen arrows a day, it's a dozen like good shots. Like some days I know after like two or three shots that I'm just, you know, have the jitters or whatever. I'm shaky. Like something doesn't feel right. Like I'm, you know, kids piss me off, whatever it is, like something it just isn't right. Like I, I do my best to try to not make bad shots. Like if I come down here and I'm just jerking the release and it's just, you know, okay, that felt terrible. I try to, I try to, okay, Hey, try to concentrate, try to make a good shot. If I make a good shot, make another good shot, then make another bad shot. It's like, okay, I'm just, there's something, something not going on tonight. That that's, that doesn't feel right. And then as, 
season gets closer and everything. And as I, you know, time allows it, I'll be honest with you. I've got twin six year olds now and I'm, my practice isn't near what it used to be. I used to shoot every single night for usually the first, usually three months out in 3d tournaments and things up beforehand before we had my kids. And now I'm lucky to get out there maybe once a week, but I have an archery range just down the road from my house and I can go out there and I can shoot 80 plus hundred yards, whatever I want. Um, and I, I go out there, especially, you know, now I try to dial in over the last month and a half or so before archery season, I go and I'll shoot usually a couple, a couple shots at 20, a couple shots, 30. And then I just start scooting back and back and, depending on the day and how I'm feeling and how I'm holding the bow, I may go out to 60, 70, 80 yards, just depending. Um, some days you just don't have it. And in some days it's just, you know, effortless. Like I could just stack arrows in at 90 plus yards. Like it's nothing. Others, day, other days that's I get, I get to 40 yards and I just, I can barely hit a pipe plate. And it's like, well, this is going to get ugly if I go back any further than this. And so, I shoot a lot of really long yardages. Doesn't mean that I shoot deer in a lot of long yardages, but uh, um, I shoot at those real long yardages so that during deer season, whenever it comes around, those 20 and 30 and 40 yard shots feel like chip shots. And then over the last couple of years too, I've been trying to be more physically fit and a little bit better off. And I know a lot of guys I've heard in podcasts and stuff, especially elk hunting and things, they do a lot of, cardio and you get that shot wherever you're where you're you know your heart's in your chest and you're really you know really stressed and i started doing that as well just try to do like a 50 yard sprint or something that's more enough to kind of get me you know my heart racing but uh do like a 50 yard sprint down and back and then trying to make like a good shot just trying to replicate you know my heart in my chest whenever you know that moment counts and trying to get my you know breath together and execute a good shot I'll tell you what, that's something I, I will do regularly. A, it makes working out a little bit more enjoyable. I, I hop on the bike, ride for 10 minutes. I like looking for that t- forward to that 10-minute mark because I'm like, I'm going to hop off. But then once you get there, you're sweating, uh, you're shaking, your heart's racing. You have to really yep. like bring yourself down to make that shot in you know where it needs to be. And I, I, man, I really, I'm hoping that'll help me this year. I've, I've struggled with target panic, uh, for years. Uh, and I think I've gotten a better handle on it. I'm sure my mechanics and stuff aren't great, but the exercise into a couple of shots, I think really seems, I, I just feel like it helps me focus and, and bring things back to the center before, you know, I get all crazy. So we'll see what, what happens at the end of the year. But so let, let's talk about mechanics. I just, uh, I just sent you a couple texts, some videos, and I think I think what we want to do, if you're all right with this, I want to have I'm gonna I want to do this on social media so so people can watch it. One, your reaction to to my mechanics, and two, it's um, I you know I'm not I'm not a bow hunter. I I would I will readily admit that like. I do it. I'm, I've got Andrew's got me into it. I've kind of reignited some of that passion. Um, and I have enjoyed it. I really do, but I want to be, and I've had some success, right. You know, in the past, yeah. I, you know, I want to be, I want to be better. You know, right. I want to, I want to make sure that I'm as lethal as I can possibly be. And so I've just the last, what the last 18 months I've, I've put a ton of effort into, 
you know, getting the right equipment set up and, and, and practicing. So, you know, it's just like we talked earlier, some of the guys that I turkey hunted with in the spring, like I just watch them. I'm like, man, I was going to teach me your ways, man. Like yeah. you're so, you're so good. And, right. and so watch, watch those. There's three videos. So there's, there's two that if, if you got them, there's, there's yeah. two of like, kind of, you can see my draw and full body. And then I, and my wife was videoing filming. Um, I had her zoom in on my, on my release. So okay. you, could, you could see that. So, so give me your live, live reaction to those videos. Paul, can you send those to me? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Man. I, I want the ones of you, uh, archery, you know, shooting, not the ones your wife took, uh, the other ones. Okay. I was, I was worried for a second, <laughs> yeah. but I none of, make none sure of I get those. the right ones, right. And bo- if the you, right bow and arrow. If you, if you listen, you can probably hear my daughter, like, cause the bow goes off and like, she jumps. And she's like, oh, God, the cat's in the back of one of them somewhere. <laughs> so and we'll, we'll we'll cut out any like dead air that we got here. But yeah, no, you're fine. Um, Yeah, take take a look at it and see what months are coming to your way. I, I got to. My cell phone reception in the Wi-Fi in this house for whatever reason today has been horrendous yeah months are coming they're coming your way okay i might be able to share my screen here mine was the same way earlier whenever i was messing around i can't wait to get my lap i i i spill water on my macbook a couple i i it's my daughter did it probably three months ago and it fried the motherboard or the logic board, whatever they call it. Yeah. In my, yeah. In my MacBook. And I am like desperate to get that thing back. Whatever it did, like it, it like gathers Wi Fi signals stronger than this like 10 year old Lenovo ThinkPads. So, like, Ours is the same way. I'm using, I'm using my laptop from work right now just because it, uh, it, it seems to have a better, a better, uh, connection usually then we have an old we have an old macbook and it's just it's it's yeah. garbage unfortunately but dude the older the older computers i don't know what it is and have you gotten any of those i got i got one hang on okay i'm trying to see if i can pull it up on the screen so oh, i'll share it okay it play it I, don't know how to play it. I mean to be honest with you i don't see a lot one of the things that uh that really uh that really helped me shooting an index release whenever I, when I shot a lot, um, whenever you come to full draw and a lot of people, it just kind of depends on, on how, how your, how your face is laid out and how, what's comfortable to you. And, uh, one, one of the things that really helped me is, is trying to get buried there on, on, see how you're on the kind of the side of your face like this. Mm-hmm just trying to find a spot there. Cause on, on two of the videos, you could see kind of there where your face was a little more forward. You can almost look at your ear on one video to the next. And it was just a little bit different. Okay. Um, um, so let I mean, me, let me, let me ask you ahead. this. I, yeah. I, I, I have like a nose button on it. Yeah. Yeah. And that does, and... that is, a, that is a huge help. Honestly, yeah. I've got a nose button on mine. Um, and that was one of the things that I am, I was always terrible about. Um, and I would always, I would always have to make sure that I put my nose on my string whenever I shot. And I've got a crooked nose anyway. So that kind of added to the mess, but 
that was one of the things that I that I ended up I always had to do because my head would float, especially whenever you're shooting at further yardages, you are gonna just be a wreck. But that does, that is a huge help. Yeah, I have I have enjoyed it. The other thing that I'm dealing with, and I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out. I got two things that are kind of working against me. Is I'm dealing with some peep rotation, some peep sight mm-hmm. rotation, which is just Whoops. frustrating. Um, yeah, and so I and I've I shoot this, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it, yeah. and, and then that thing. I don't know if the string twists or whatever, yeah, but no. um, so you can see, like I'm I'm using like I'm using my nose to kind of like just hit that button sure. just a little bit to get that peep where I want it. Yeah. So how how do, how do you like how do you dial that peep sight in? Um, a lot of it is right before, right before you put your, your release on your string, twist that, twisting it over. Okay. I, I, I'll, I'll twist, I'll twist my peep each time, especially until, until you kind of get a little bit of a memory in it. And I mean, my bow back here now, both of them, one of them's, one of them's about perfect, but the other one, it's twisted over a little bit. But whenever I put my, my release on the bow every time, it, it kind of pulls it straight every time okay. you just get you get that memory the memory in the string and everything some of them as a string will break down or if you have a brand new string it takes a while for that that bow to kind of there that string to kind of come around there to where okay. you're uh um to where it's exactly where you want every time andrew go to the go to the one the up close of my of my pulling pulling the trigger is that another video? i shot that another video i, I shot probably okay. what's that hang on let me back out of here okay um so I, yeah. I haven't had, go ahead. I would say I haven't, I've had that same and, and, and man, I don't know. I've got like these big sausage hands, right. Mm-hmm. And I've had that same release for probably 15 years. Yeah. And I, yeah. and I know that at some point, like I, I need to just, I need to get something new. I bought two releases. I bought one last year, a new one, just because I was concerned about like quality right? Uh, or, you know, like just holding up, um, I will say, like, watch your hand. Watch where your hand goes when you shoot here. It goes up. Oh yeah. So, he said, in a in a perfect world, when you watch, you know, you watch a, a like for you, like if you were to watch like a Tim Gillingham, like Tim Tim Gillingham is a is an index finger guy. My buddy Danny Evans, he's he's an index finger guy. When those guys shoot their index finger, you'll see him come. And whatever they've got it wrapped or their finger wrapped around it, and you'll see if, if they still go straight back with it, even when they okay. activate it. Okay. And like you're on, like on a thumb release, like you're yeah, so you're yeah. Pulling, you can they're shoot, pulling it back. Yeah, you can shoot. You can shoot every release as as like a tension activated release. Okay. Um, just by putting your finger over the top of it and just starting to pull your hand, your hand naturally will tense up. And and your back muscles as they pull pull together and that release will go off. Just kind of depends. You have to mess with your with the tension on the release and stuff too. But I mean, your postures your postures really good. Your head's your head straight up and down. Um, there's I, I can tell you that I've seen a ton 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 worse. Okay. Uh, whenever you your hand your hand on the bow like you had a loose you had a loose hand whenever you I saw like you drew back and your hand was open. And then mm-hmm. you did t- you did tighten it back down again. That's one thing I'll see. I got a buddy that's really bad about that. He's like, "Well, my hands, my hands loose." And I said, "Well, I said your bow's not going anywhere." 
Like whenever I when I come to full draw and I have my hand on my bow, my, my hand sits like this. I just have these two fingers like this. Okay, that's and, something that I've had to work really hard to stop because, like last year, I, I would shoot a bunch. I'm like, yeah, my forearm hurts. Like it's it's crazy, and that's something that, and I think like that's subconsciously like I'll pull it back and I'm I'm gripping the hell out of it, and then I'm like, yeah. okay, loose loosen up. Um, but yeah, that's that's something that I've really had to work to keep that like what a hand torque you know yeah. from from really from really throwing it off so go to the next one if you can that's the that's the one i was really concerned about not concerned i was curious about that activating that that trigger i do i do see what you're saying how my I, i'm like it's like sliding up almost like two inches after I shoot, is that is that am I anchored right? Uh, I mean, your anchor doesn't look bad. Okay. Like I said, it, as long as you feel stable and you can hit, like you said, if you can hit the same spot every time, everybody's going to be different. Yeah. I used to put I used to put my thumb whenever I shot an index. I used to put my thumb on like the back of my jaw, and I could just hit mm-hmm. it like the same spot every single time. And one of the guys that I shot with, he's like, that is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I was like, well, I can do it every single time. And it's, yeah. it's just, it's a rock solid. The biggest thing is you don't want to just, you don't want to come to folder all and feel like this has any movement. You want it to just be dead steady. Like whenever okay. I, when I, when I shoot my back tension, I put these two knuckles, this knuckle right here, it goes right on my jaw. Okay. And I can go to that same exact spot right, under, right underneath my ear every time. And it's just dead steady. That's good information. Yeah, that's that's good. That's better. I, I, man, there's a ton of information out there that people can look at to to you know start to form like proper mechanics for mm-hmm. you know, yeah because you could actually compound yeah because you could I mean again there's so many the, the biggest thing is your comfortability with it and and how and how you feel whenever you're shooting the bow like I could tell you. 50 different things like well you could you could anchor lower and and bring and bring your face more forward on the bow and everything and it might fit, make you feel a little bit more comfortable um but i've seen so many people shoot so well and they come to full draw come to full draw they can hit that same spot every single time and they you know they may not be barely touching anything their nose is just a little bit off the bow but every single time they're coming to that same spot and they're just one of the best shots um, until you, you know, it, it's kind of one of those things at the end of the day, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah. It's like so your golf swing, man. Honestly. It, yeah, sure. It, yeah. 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 Who, who's going yeah, to go out there and tell, you know, Jim Furyk, Hey, Hey, you're swinging the golf club weird. Yeah, like, exactly. Good I mean, reference. Don't, don't That's swing, who I was thinking. Yeah. Of. Yeah. Don't, don't swing the golf club like that. Like there, yeah. there's just a ton of guys out there that have their own way of doing it. Like, Tim Gillingham, they call him the hammer because he absolutely destroys the trigger on a release when you watch him shoot. He's one of the best shooters in the world by by far. So go tell, go tell him he's hammering the trigger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean that's his nickname. I mean, honestly, and but there, there's a, and there's a ton of guys out there that do shoot like um, um, Douglas. I can't remember uh, blank on his last name, but he he's one of those again. Like he did a podcast with uh, with. Clint on the CC hunt files and he was talking about his archery shot and he has a time shot. Like when he mm. comes like the full draw, he, he, he does punch the release and he's like, I'm more accurate when I punch the release. And it's like, well, you're a world champion. 
and you've won Vegas $50,000. So it's like, well, it's kind of hard to tell you that you're doing it wrong. Kyle Douglas. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so, man, that's, that's, that's so, that's so funny that that's, you know, people have their own, I guess, little quirks and idiosyncrasies. What, what are some of the, you know, like I talked about earlier, man, on the range, you're great. You put a golf course in front of me and I fall apart. Right. So what, what are some of the things like, I, I guess you know, bad habits that, that people have, I'm sure there's a couple that are like that really stand out that a lot of people do that, you know, when you take that from the range, like you're good in your backyard, but when you get that adrenaline flowing, you're just like mm, game over, man. Like, and are there like fundamental issues that, that, that are pretty common for people that, that lead to poor performance in the woods? Yeah. I feel like, I don't know. Some of the, some of the easy stuff is shooting with your hunting clothes on. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm, I'll be the first one to tell you, I was, I used to be really guilty of it. I had terrible form years ago and I used to shoot with a really, really bent arm. One, because I hit my arm whenever I was a kid and just, you know, kind of PTSD. But I, I also did it because I didn't want my clothes to hit, get hit by the string. Well, whenever you shoot with correct form and everything, you should keep your arm away from the, the string anyway but it is it is one of those things if you have a real heavy jacket on or something um if you have a face mask on if you have gloves on things like that all those will throw you off whenever you're trying to shoot um it can be just as simple i mean you have your nose button on your bow i mean if you have a mask on or something like that and you try to put your mask on that bow it can throw you off and especially if you're shooting a little bit further yardages it could throw you off significantly um I would so probably, what, I would probably panic if I had, if I had like a, a balaclava on oh. and I pulled back on a big deer and I couldn't feel that nose, but I would, I would, I would freak out. Like just yeah. thinking about that, I absolutely would. Yeah. And I've done it. I've, I've, I've drawn back cause I wear a, like a balaclava, like a really lightweight one and I've drawn back and realized I got the full draw and have it down there. And then trying to, especially with the back tension release makes it real interesting trying to get that <laughs> oh, pulled God. down and not fire the bow off uh, off and stuff. And yeah, that gets, that gets pretty interesting, but uh, that's one of the big things um, I feel like a lot of guys don't do, especially whenever you get, you know, depending on the year, it may be 80 during the rut. It may be, it may be 20 during the rut and you're completely different from when you've been practicing all summer long. Um, another thing I said, the, fundamentals and the things that you're looking at once you're once you get up into a tree like there's not a lot of people that probably shoot at elevated heights on uh, just just for practice like i'm lucky i can i can go to the archery range down the road here and i can shoot off of a stand and i can shoot out to 50 yards at from an elevated position i just getting a saddle over the last over the last year i've practiced out of my saddle a lot out of an elevated position everything looking at, at your bubble on your bow is huge when you get in a tree stand because there's nothing level in the woods. Your your stand's not level. You may feel level. The deer, you know, de- depending how the deer came in and everything like that, you need to be looking at your bubble because that's going to be that can throw you off really, really easily. Um, those are two of the probably the bigger ones that I could see that are just you know could really throw somebody off. Chris, when you talk about hunting from a platform, elevated platform, are you? Is any elevation good, or is it something where you need to be twenty feet up to really get that feel? No, I don't feel I I don't feel like you need to be twenty foot up, but just being able to draw and be able to come downwards on something, 
it's, I mean, it's a completely different feeling. You're, you're using different muscles to hold the bow, to, to bolt, hold the bow steady. Um, again, coming down at, at, at level, whenever I'm shooting on flat ground, I could probably draw my bow back and get anchored and be dead level without even looking at my bubble. But if I put myself on a platform and my footing's a little bit off or platform's not, not quite level, things don't feel quite right, I could definitely be a half a bubble off or a full bubble off and not even think about it. So yeah. I'm, with, I'm with you on the practicing from the elevation. And, Paul, I, I, I would pull the pictures up for you, but I'll just explain it. So I had an old stand. And I, I went to set up next to my barn over the weekend. And I got it all propped up there, and I realized it was way higher, uh, and I didn't really think this was a great idea. But, man, it was a total, like, you might be a redneck uh, scenario. And I looked at I stepped back, and I looked at this 20-foot stand, leaned up against my barn. It wasn't anchored in or anything at that point, and I'm like, I'm going to die if I keep this up. So <laughs> I took it down. I moved it over. Now, I, now it's also, you might be a redneck, but it's uh, attached to my kid's playset. And so now Paul and I have a spot that we can – It's not, genius. It's not as high. But we can tie into the saddles and all that stuff, and uh, I think yeah, it'll get, give a better yeah. feel. Yeah. I, I, you'd fit in. You'd fit in just perfect around here. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know hunting out. So I months got me in a saddle last year, man. It was my first year hunting a saddle. I'd done climbers and hang-ons and stuff like that. And I, I remember, I, I had a deer come in last year during the rut. Real nice buck, and I, I didn't get a shot at him. But the like where he came in, I had like one foot on the tree like like had my tether like all the way around this tree because like yeah. it was gonna happen like i had to get on the other side and i pull back and i'm waiting like he you know he finally like i mean i he was after another buck and he, he kind of went off and i didn't get a shot and i'm like dude big fellow with the flexibility what i can't believe <laughs> i did that and and you know and who knows man i didn't check my the, the bubble level on my bow i could have been shooting right. like you know, completely sideways but it's one of the, you know, that's, that's something that, like at that moment, like I had to do something real crazy. Uh, and, and, you know, and who knows, man, if it would have, if it would have gone off, uh, the way I wanted it to, but, um, so what, what are, what are the, what are some of the, the, I guess, practices or habits that, that you've, you've adopted in, in your archery career to, to really kind of take that next, that next step to be, you know what a lot of people would you know, quite frankly consider like an elite bow hunter now um surrounding myself with elite bow hunters honestly um because at the end of the day everybody i mean youtube's full of knowledge anybody and everybody's watched mark Dury and lee lakoski and everything on tv and things but bouncing ideas off of guys that have been there and done that i mean and listening to podcasts and things like that. There's so much knowledge out there that you can gain. And, but at the end of the day, sometimes it's just the smallest things that just make unbelievable sense. Um, I just, I picked up so much from, you know, the juries and the working class bow hunter guys and things like that. And, and on, honestly, um, it's the same thing whenever I used to shoot a lot of the competitions and stuff, the, the archery range that I used to work at here, here back at home, like some of those guys, again, um, world-class level archers. Um, and those guys, they, when you're shooting amongst that competition, again, they say that in like all sports, like as the level of competition drives, you have to rise to the level of competition. And I mean, whenever you shoot with guys that are good and everything, it makes you, 
you know, it makes you a better hunter. It makes you a better archer. You know, it, it really, really does, you know, kind of, you know, make you, make you, you know, either improve or you're going to be the bottom guy at the barrel. Nobody wants to be that. Yeah. So, um, that's a big thing. Um, I've, I don't know. I, I would say I've put a lot more work into it over the last couple of years. Um, especially, and I've tried to be, you know, a smarter hunter. Um, I would have been the guy as a young kid, especially in college and just out of college, I hunted every day. It didn't matter what was going on. If it was 95 degrees out with, you know, I didn't care about the wind. I couldn't even tell you what the wind was probably for the first 10 years that I hunted. We just went out and hunted. And I mean, hey, I can get out here. We're going to hunt this one stand because it's a good spot. And I saw a buck there one time a year ago. I mean, hunt, hunting smart. I can tell you last year, I I probably hunted. The first time I hunted last year was opening day with my dad. We never miss opening morning, which isn't probably, uh, I won't hunt another morning after that for a few weeks, but we always go out opening morning and I just happened to shoot a buck opening morning last year. Um, but then after that, I think I went, I hunted four times, four times in the next three weeks and I killed three more deer. Um, but I picked, I picked the best days, the days that the weather was right. The wind was right. The days where the wife wouldn't get mad at me. A number one. Right. Um, just where's I that mean, where's that layer on on x right i know i know it and, I mean, and that's an extra i mean that's an extra um layer to it for sure i mean especially having kids and things like i can't go out i can't go out every day i'm 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 committed especially to them i don't i don't hunt until the rut gets here i don't hunt back-to-back nights because i won't see the kids and so i always pick i'll pick a night that i think i can get out depending on what they have going on and things like that but then i will hunt the next night for sure because i want to be able to come and spend time with them and that's important that's you know that's just how i i do things when the rut comes and i mean the kids might not see me for a day or two just because shit hits the fan and you know dad's got to try to go kill something you know that kind of looks like one of these for those you know two weeks when i got the chance a year but uh I mean, it is, it is one of those things. Um, the level of knowledge has increased exponentially over, I would say over the last five or six years. And I mean, my success rate has increased with it, luckily. And uh, not to say that it'll, you know, continue like that because everybody's got to hit a wall or everybody's going to have a bad year eventually. But I mean, I'm pretty confident with, you know, the experiences I've had over the last few years. I mean, I can get on, I can definitely get on some deer for sure. I got, go ahead. I got one. We should, I should have asked this earlier, but you guys were out of roll, so I didn't want to jump in. But back to the punching the trigger thing real quick. Why is, Mm -hmm. in general, why is punching the trigger bad? You, you are mentally telling yourself to, to fire the shot. And, if in a perfect world, you should just continue to aim and focus on aiming instead of focusing on shooting. So I always tell myself, and a lot of, a lot of guys will shoot a release that's really heavy. So they have to start to pull on that release and just tell yourself to aim, 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 aim. And then it goes off. Um, again, like I said, Kyle Douglas, Tim Gillingham, those guys have it figured out. 
that they can, all right, get to the point. Yeah, I'm holding absolutely dead steady and then shoot. I've never been able to get to that. Um, and there's, there probably, there's probably a lot of guys out there that can do it. And again, whenever I'm shooting a lot, my, what I consider good shots, he said, I'm not happy until my arrows are touching at 20 yards. At 30 yards, they need to be within a two to three inch group. At 40 yards, they need to be a three to four inch group and, and so on and so forth on that. Like that's the level that I feel like I should be shooting at. Um, we have, I used to help at an archery range a lot and we'd have guys that would come in the week before the deer season, pull out their 25 year old bow, bend the pins back straight because they fell last year at the end of the year and, and everything. And, you know, Hey, does everything look okay? It was like, Oh God, like, I don't know that I would shoot this. He's like, well, I just need it for one shot. And they would go out and shoot 170 inch deer. And, and I'd watch them, I'd watch them down the range and they'd be shooting at a 12 inch face or 16 inch face and they'd put two arrows in it. And then one was a foot left, one was a foot right. And they'd be like, well, he's like, those two shots were good though. I feel pretty good about that. It's like, what, what, what are we doing? And, and they'd go out and shoot a giant deer. I mean, it only takes one good arrow, one good shot. Um, I just like to be more proficient than that. Yeah. Um, but, so those are called those are called killers, is what. Yes. Uh, just those old those old gritty killers, man. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. Get they're gonna get it done no matter what. Oh hell yeah! All right, so one other question I have on the back tension release. So I ha- I picked one of those up last year because of my issues, and I, I I tried to hunt with it one time. It didn't work out. I think I o- shot over the deer. Um, I practiced with it one a lot, but it still feels like it almost like a Jack in the box to me where it's like, you hear that click. All right. All right. I know, I know what it takes to get it to go off, but I'm like still not sure when's this going to go. When's it going to go? And I almost, there's times where I wonder if it's almost making me worse in that whole panic idea. So I, is there anything you would suggest on that? The click, that click can really cause some people issues too. And they do make, they do make those, uh, the half moons and stuff without the click as well. Um, I've, I shot with some guys that just, they got to the point where that, that click would make them just come out of their shell. Um, I still shoot with one. I kind of use it as a, um, as part of my process as part of, you know, something whenever I get anchored and I come to full draw when I'm shooting really, really well, hopefully, you know, before deer season comes around every year, I can get to the point where I come to full draw. And once I come to full draw and I get set, that release clicks. And then, then at that moment, it's just, you know, all right, pull, 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 push, 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 and till it, till it goes off. Um, it, it's one of those things, again, you said blank bailing is a big thing that, that helped me kind of get used to that. And, I mean, yeah, you can dump that release. I can – I'll shoot my release um, whenever I haven't been shooting a lot, and I'll just be – come to full draw, it'll click, and I'll just push through real quick, and I can dump it. When I do that, I shoot three inches left doesn't matter what yardage. Um, I don't know. I, again, it's one of those things. I just, I, I tell myself it's, I've got to just, okay, push, pull until I'm just trying and your, your hand is going to naturally do what it needs to do to go, to get that to go off. And it, I don't know that you ever get to the point. I, I still get to the point occasionally where it's like, I, I can't get this release to go off. And I, I've got two releases. I've got one that's set. I've got two back tensions and one set really, really hot. 
and you barely have to move that thing and it goes off. And then I've got one where it's a lot colder and I can actually push through it, push through it. And you'll, you'll see when, whenever we were shooting in Louisville, I was shot. I started shooting with a cold release. And then once I got to the end of the day and I'm tired and I just can't get this release to go off, I'll switch to the hot one. Cause I know ever I can just, okay, click, boom, you know, it's off. Don't have to worry about it. But now when you got a deer in front of you though, I guess this is one of the things that I didn't like when I missed that deer last year, she had put her head down to feed. So I was mm-hmm. in that process of pulling back and like, everything's good. Okay. I'm ready. Start pulling, pulling. And then her head goes down. I'm like, it was, it, maybe it was just one of those bad timing things, but I was like, Oh shit. Like I really need to go back the other direction. And I think I freaked out a little bit. Yeah. I mean, is that normal? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. I freaked out last year. The first doe that I shot, she came in 15 yards walking and I'm like, I made my decision before she, before she got to me that I was going to shoot her. Just, she was just really slowly walking. And I said, I'm just going to shoot her walking. And I couldn't tell you, honestly, the last time I'd shot a deer walking, but she was so close and it was so quiet that I didn't want her to jump out of her skin. So I just draw back and I followed, followed, followed. And that release clicked and I kind of panicked, did the same thing. And when I, when I shot, I shot like three inches left and I hit her just to touch back. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things, again, trust in the process, like that release is going to go off, you know, that deer moves unless it's, you know, again, moving enough that you need to let down. And that's one of the big things Like I talked to Clint about on on our podcast that we did, like learning how to let down, especially with back tension and things like that. And knowing, Hey, it's okay. It's okay to let down. Like you, again, normally you have so much time in those situations and everybody wants them to end quick, but you can draw back and things just don't feel good. Things don't feel comfortable. Like don't force something again. You don't want a bad outcome for what you've worked for that entire, you know, that entire season. I can think, well, I can tell you that wounding deer and losing deer and things like that. I mean, that is just disheartening and it is the worst thing in the world. Yeah, it is, man. It is just, it is just a miserable miserable feeling and we've all been there man all of us does big bucks i mean it's just it sucks man it really it really does yep yep i've been on a uh on a i don't know luck streak slash bad luck streak i guess it would be so the last two years i've shot a deer i've shot a buck and lost it Mm. and then ended up killing it later in the season no kidding. And for for whatever reason, like I said, I I couldn't tell you. Just you know, I was dead set on killing on killing the buck that I that I had wounded before. And I had, until you know, as long as I knew that he was out there, I had a couple pictures and things like that. You know, I was just like, like eventually he's going to show back up. Eventually, I'm going to get another crack at it. And you know, luckily able to make good shots on them the second time around on both of them. But it's one of those things. It's, it's a terrible, it's a terrible, terrible feeling for sure. Yeah. So we'll start to wrap up here. I don't want to yeah. keep you too long, man. I get family, but what, I want to talk about like your setup. Okay. And, and I'm sure that you've experimented and tinkered for years to where you've got something that, that works for you. It's, it's, and it's it's a real like controversial topic 
light and fast, heavy and so you know, the high FOC and all that stuff. So, so where where are you on? Like, where where do you fall within like like aero setup specifically? I guess we'll start there. I've been, I've shot. I used to shoot a really light arrow, um, like like you. We like we both have really long draw lengths, mm. and you know bigger guys, so we can kind of you know we're we have the luxury of uh, being able to shoot the optimum specs on whatever bows out there. So that does help. That helps out a ton. Um, I've shot anywhere from four hundred. 25 grain arrow i think to a few years ago i think i had one that was 525 i think um i've kind of come to the sweet spot where i like an arrow it's 475 grains things like uh, uh, somewhere around like around there um i do shoot um usually a, a little bit higher weight up front i'll either put a 25 grain insert up front or shoot 125 grain broadhead. Um, I feel like that does help out a lot, but again, I'm, I've seen too much evidence contradict the super heavyweight arrow thing. At the end of the day, I want my pins to be pretty tight so mm-hmm. that it makes up for yardage, you know, discrepancies. If a, if a deer takes three steps back and, you know, all of a sudden it's at, 34 yards whenever my pin was whenever i was you know planning on shooting it at 31 or something i'm two inches three inches low like that's not a big deal i'm gonna still squeeze off the shot and be completely not gonna not gonna be have a single worry about it so i've i've again like i said i've i've tried to be 475 somewhere around there with with you know 75 70 pound actually last few years i've shot 65 pound bow um, I, again, 65 pound bow. I think I chronographed my arrow with 400 and 465 or 470 grain arrow. I think I was still shooting almost 290 and that's plenty fast enough for what, what I'm, you know, willing to have. I, I will, I'd rather take the 290 than, than uh 260, something like that with a lot heavier arrow out there. Gotcha. Now, like broadhead, are you are you shooting like mechanical? Or are you shooting fixed blade? I've shot. I've shot. I've shot both. Um, we used to shoot um, the old Montex whenever they came out. We shot muzzies when I was really young. Um, we switched over to rages whenever they started getting really hot. Um, last year, um, I switched to the sever broadheads, and I really really like those. Um, they just, I don't know, they're real similar to a Rage, um, but the way they pivot um, to get past bone and stuff is just, I shot the last three deer that I shot last year with a sever, and it was just devastating. Um, I tried a different broadhead out before that. Um, after I shot my second buck last year and lost him, I switched to severs and because uh, um, I, I was shooting a different mechanical for that and just didn't like i had terrible performance um so i think i'm going to shoot again the severs again this year um, i'm planning on going to south africa next summer with working class guys and we're going to have to shoot um fixed blades over there i think they like the um oh i can't remember what they are but we'll, we'll be shooting a fixed blade when we go over there and i will probably 
build a heavier arrow arrow going over there because of the density of the animals and things like that are a lot different. Um, so that'll be, that'll be a different game for sure. But for any whitetail that I've shot, 475 grains, scooting 280 plus, as long yeah, as you're, that... I'm staying, I'm staying off that shoulder. I can, I'm going to shoot, I'm going to aim four inches back behind that shoulder and send one right through it. Yeah. There's, there's been a lot of talk uh, I've seen online of like frontal shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and is that something that, that you've done or you would consider? Never tried it. Yeah. Never tried I, it. I can see, I, I can see if I was, if I was eye level to a deer and that deer was for some yeah. reason t- like 10 yards, those deer move so fast. I mean, I've, I've shot, I've shot a deer at 10, 15 yards and they duck my arrow. Uh, yeah. I mean, they they just they just move so fast. I'm I'm not willing to try to take one of those shots. And again, if you had, I know a lot of guys they'll shoot the single bevel broadheads and a seven six hundred and fifty seven hundred grain arrow whatever. And you know you hit you hit a deer with that anywhere, and you are going towards the vitals. It's going to go through a shoulder blade or or. or all the ribs and, and everything else. I mean, w- w- without an issue. Um, again, I'm, I'm just kind of a, uh, a stickler for the quartering away directly broadside shot. Um, I've had, I shot, I shot a buck a couple years ago. That was a touch hard quartering away. And with my arrow set up, I went, went in right in front of its, fr- right in front of its front leg went out the opposite side shoulder and the only thing that kept the arrow in was the fletchings basically went the entire length of the deer so yeah that's wild i haven't had haven't had too many issues so i'm not going to try to mess with them really yeah don't break it or don't what's the same what what, what's the same months it's not broke broke, don't fix it see i had you all messed up too man that's why we stained the tile if it's not fixed don't break it Uh, Chris, I've appreciated your, uh, your time tonight, man. And, 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 and your knowledge and your experience, uh, sharing that with, uh, with us and, and the folks listening to this program. So, yeah, uh, I appreciate you guys. Um, I, I will say I'm kind of disappointed. I haven't heard anything about Turkey. So I no, thought this was I, a Turkey podcast. Yeah. See, look at Andrew judging me through the You screen. had to, Chris, I, we had to bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> we were almost there. We ha- this is the almost. Turkey guy. This is the turkey guy. Yeah, you see all the turkey. Look at that. Look at these. Look at these. Hey, these hey, I had to bring, I've got. I've got one. I've got oh, one. there we go. You moved. Ah, my I've guy, got, right there. See, see, I've got. There I've go. got a couple. I don't have. I don't have near what you have, and I still have yet to kill one with my bow. That's one of the things that's on my on my goal list. But uh, dude, uh, I've never. I've never shot uh, a turkey with a bow. I have bow hunted them in the fall for uh, you know with. I like last year during the rut, I texted Andrew, like I I'm walking into like this public land spot. I've done a lot of scouting, seen a lot of deer and dude, I heard a bunch of turkeys gobbling in the roost and a bunch of hens. I'm like, my deer hunt went out the no. window and it was a turkey. <laughs> and here's the thing. Like I, this is, this is like November 8th, man. Yeah. I brought my turkey calls with me just in case, man. You never know when you're going to need to kiki, uh, during the rut. Right. So I was, I, I, I will, was, I will say I have. I, I did shoot a hen. I did shoot a hen a couple years ago um, at 30 yards out of my tree stand. And I did get her, um, but I've never been able to get a long beard. Um, I have seen a few. Um, I've just never, just never got a shot at them. I'm, I'm a, 
opportunistic guy as as well. Like if I if a group of turkeys comes in front of me and they're in bow range during the fall, I guarantee you they're going to get an arrow thrown at them. Yeah. Um, but uh, I just haven't uh, haven't had a shot at one yet. But yeah. I you're you know you're your buddy Clint, man, that, that dude is a, is a he's, great Turkey hunter with a bow. Yeah. Yes, and I, I really want to like, if Clint was like, yeah, I guess I'll hunt with you one time. It would be a Turkey. It'd be a Merriam's Turkey out like in freaking Montana or Utah or Idaho or Nebraska, yeah. something, man. Like I, I really want to, I, I, that's, if I'm going to bow hunt turkeys, it's going to be zipping through the Alpines, man, chasing them like that. That's what that's, yeah. that's like, that's a bucket list hunt for me. So, yeah. And he does it no blind, no nothing. Just like it's spot and stock, spot and stock turkey hunting. And dude, it's wild, he's, man. He's yeah. yeah. It's wild. There aren't, there aren't many people that are, that are good at that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just like, honestly, that's, that's, I, I think that that's probably harder than like spotting and stocking a mule deer or an elk. I mean, those things, like, I mean, you don't, you don't have the wind to deal with. So I guess that really like changes the game, but dude, they're so skittish and their sight and they're, I mean, they're, you know, they're they smart. See- yeah. They're smart, dumb. That's what I always yeah. say. They're the yeah. dumbest, they're the, they're the dumbest smart things ever. Yeah. It's like, Oh, well, I'm going yeah. to go over here and well, no, no, I'm just kidding. I'm going to go back over here. And it's like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like they're, they're so frustrating. If they didn't, yeah, they, they, if they didn't taste so good, I, I wouldn't yeah. be out there. Dude, it's yeah, it's just they, they they see something they don't like, gone. Yep. So Chris, yep. where can uh where can people find you on social media? Uh I've got Instagram post some stuff about there, a lot of the working class bow hunter stuff on there. Um Chris J nineteen eighty six, I think is what it is. Um I put a few things on Facebook and everything, um, pretty similar, but a lot of more of the um family stuff on there. So that's where you can find me. Um we've done I've done quite a few podcasts with the working class guys now. Um, those guys are great, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. They're awesome. They've been really good to really good to me and everything. And, uh, um, we've been pretty, pretty tight over the last year or so. So, um, yeah. it's been, been a good time. Yeah. Chris, thanks so much. Appreciate for your time, it, man. Month. Sorry. Sorry. We ruined the interview with Turkey Talk. Oh, it's all right. It's just the last like three or four minutes. So <laughs> now we're good. I know I was going to get up earlier, uh, but I, I figured I, I, <laughs> I don't want, I just bring up the, <laughs> not make you suffer too long. So I appreciate it guys. It's yeah. been fun. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. man.